How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Elbows Up podcast. In episode nine, we'll be going over our trade deadline predictions and uh, where we think all the players are going to go. Uh, we got a lot of NHL news to cover, but before we get to that, I'm here with my co-host, Keen Kilback. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back. You know, this weekly thing, I'm having a lot of fun with it. This episode is going to be a lot of fun. I looked into quite a bit of research on reports about where players could get traded. So it's going to be a lot of fun to predict this the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm super excited too. And we've already seen some uh, some big trades get underway. We had the Ryan O'Reilly trade. And uh, that was a huge, huge player already off the books. Uh, so we're just going to get right into that. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Achari, and Josh Pilar uh, went to Toronto. And St. Louis received Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, a 2023 first-round pick from the Leafs, a 2023 uh, third-round pick from the Leafs, and a 2024 second-round pick also from the Leafs. St. Louis also retained 50% of Ryan O'Reilly's contract, and the Minnesota Wild also received Toronto's 2025 fourth-round pick in exchange for uh, retaining 25% of Ryan O'Reilly's salary. So this is a huge trade. There's so much going on. Like it's it's crazy that a third team had to come into this. We kind of expected maybe a third team would, but uh, just to get everything done financially, uh, a third team had to come in, and a lot of picks going each way. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you think about this? Yeah, the Leafs are definitely one of the teams that use like the three-way trade system. That's kind of new, a lot more. Like, is it new? Like, I feel like I never remember seeing it years ago, like 10 years ago. I feel like it's only been the last like maybe five years. Yeah, but I feel like I, it's I been getting a little know. bit more popular in the last couple of years. Yeah, like if I remember correctly, I think the Leafs did it a couple of years ago when they got Nick Felino. So they did like a three-way trade to be able to afford him with all the retention. So like it's a pretty complicated trade. That was like a huge mouthful for you. <laughs> yeah. All that. It's a good job on that. But as far as O'Reilly goes, I mean, he's not having a very good year this year. I know he's like, He's like minus 24 or something. And I mean, obviously, St. especially that's for tough. a defensive center, that's tough. And the, pretty much everybody else on St. Louis is having a bad year because of that. But, you know, O'Reilly's still a good player. So he, he could return, he could turn it around, especially playing in a smaller role on Toronto, like a third-line center. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point that you brought up about just his role changing a little bit. And if I'm a Leafs fan, I don't think I could be more excited about this trade. Just as far as, like... Uh, they need a defensive center just to hold things down. And this is exactly what they got. He's, he's going to win a bunch of face-offs for them too. And just like do a bunch of the little things that uh, that, that they need. You know, They're not asking him to score a bunch of goals. Like They got Matthews, they got, they got Nylander, Tavares, Marner. I could keep going on. So they don't need any more star power. They just need these guys to kind of build their team a little bit. So uh, O'Reilly's a great, great addition to this team. And if, if you're talking about strength at the middle, I, I think Toronto's got to have probably a top three centers in the uh, in the league, just as far as uh, Matthews, Tavares, and, and then O'Reilly. So, uh, yeah, strength down the middle is definitely something you need for the playoffs, and the Leafs definitely have it. Yeah, and like you said about his face-offs and stuff, like the Leafs, like you said, like the Leafs already have Matthews and Tavares to score their goals. So, like, I think a lot of the pressure is going to be taken off O'Reilly just to be able to play third-line penalty kill. And you need those type of players in the playoffs. Like he's yeah. got great playoff experience. He won the Conn Smythe with the Blues in 2019, and like he's great at faceoffs, great at penalty kill. If he just plays like a shutdown role and doesn't worry about the pressure of scoring, then maybe the scoring will come. You know what I mean? Just to get some weight lifted off his shoulders, and he can provide a little bit of tertiary scoring. You know, definitely. So, so yeah. I think this is going to be a great trade for the Leafs. Yeah, and like you said, uh, just the playoff experience is huge. Like they're adding another captain to their team. They have like four captains on their team with Giordano and Tavares and O'Reilly, and there's maybe even more. But uh, yeah, just more experience and especially playoff experience. It's huge. Uh, just having that one cup under his belt and the constant wife, like you mentioned. So uh, this is a huge addition on and off the ice to the Leafs. So if, if I was a Leafs fan, I, I'd be ecstatic for this. Yeah, the Leafs are they're so good. Like on paper, like like it, it's weird because like it seems like they're just so cursed, right? Like they can't win a playoff series for the life of them. And it's not going to get any easier because they're going to have to play Tampa again this year. It's pretty much already decided yeah. considering, you know, how good Boston is. We'll get into them later in the episode, but Toronto, you know, they're getting ready to play Tampa in the first round. 
Yeah. Like, because they know that that's going to be the series. So they're prepared to beat them and hopefully finally win a series in like 20 years almost. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, it's kind of crazy to say that like in February, we're building our team to beat a team in the first round. You know, like yeah. <laughs> we're not building our team to like, you know, get at the Stanley Cup final and beat someone out east or beat someone out west. Like they're they're building this team to beat the lead or to beat the uh, lightning in the first round, which is but just I mean, crazy to me. But I mean, if you can beat the lightning, you know, you could argue that you could beat anyone right now. You know, because yeah. the Lightning are still just built for the playoffs with all their experience. So, and and you never know. I mean, I know as much as people joke around with the whole first round curse thing, Leafs are going to lose. You never know. I mean, last year went to Game Seven, so I feel like if the Leafs can finally get over the hump, maybe they could make a run. Yeah, definitely. And if I'm a Leafs fan, I, I think you have so much pressure on you, not just for this postseason, but also uh, what this postseason means going into into the future. You know, like if, if they can't get past the first round with this team, like what more can you do? And I, I feel like if if you don't get past the first round, Matthews might want to leave. Maybe Marner leaves. And the next thing you know, you're you're rebuilding again like you were 10 years ago. Right. So this is a really scary uh, playoff series and uh, upcoming months for the for the Leafs. And I'm I would not want to be in their situation, like feeling like if we don't get out of the first round, our franchise might be in shambles. I think that Dubas is doing what he can, though. Like, I think, you know, like 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 we said, they're gearing up. And, you know, really, their forward core is really good. I mean, especially down the middle, like you said. And, like, on the wings, they got Marner, Nylander, Bunting. So they're still a great team, like, overall. And, like, their defense is even good, too. Like, Giordano is honestly still really good. He's underrated. Like, he's so good defensively still. And, like, Sandine and Liljegren have been turning into great players. So I, I think the big question for the Leafs is going to be their goaltending come the playoffs. You, you know, they've been playing well this year, but I feel like it's not that hard to play well in that for the Leafs. You know what I mean? Like, because they're, right. they're just so good all around. They don't give up. They're one of the better defensive teams in the league. So it, it, we'll see. I mean, obviously, their goalies don't have much experience. I think if anything will bring it, bring them down, it'll be that. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Samsonov's actually looked really good this year. I've been very surprised on uh, not just his numbers, but also just how he's how he's played uh, for the Leafs. But you know, not a lot of playoff experience there, and in a big market, I know he's a Russian guy, so he's not exactly uh, he doesn't maybe understand what comes with playing in a Canadian market and not just any Canadian market, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But there's a lot of pressure on that guy, you know, like there's so much, so much on his shoulders. So um, especially with not a lot of playoff experience, I, I wouldn't be surprised if. If, if, you know, I hate to say it, but if he kind of falls off a little bit. And especially if when you look on the other side with Andre Vasilevsky in that, maybe the most experienced playoff goalie in the entire league. So yeah. for that reason, the goaltending matchup, Tampa Bay is always going to be huge favorites. So, it, I mean, I can't wait for the playoffs. Like, I'm, I'm getting excited just talking about this. Like, I, I seen a post where, like, if the playoffs started today, what the matchups would be. And, like, there were so many good rivalry matchups. Like, it, it was it was so exciting. So, I kind of hope people were saying, like, can we just start the playoffs today? Because the series yep. matchups would be so good. So, I, I'm already getting that feel, you know, like, it's the trade deadline. It's getting to be that time of the year. So, it, it, it's, it's exciting. No, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We're, we're going to be pumping out the, uh, the episodes during the playoffs. And, um, yeah, I, I think for the Leafs against the Lightning, like, they have to win. Like if the Leafs don't win, I I think they're actually screwed, because like this this team is amazing and like we said, uh, like amazing on paper I should say, but uh, like like we were talking about earlier, uh, Dubas is doing everything he can. Like I I have huge respect for Kyle Dubas just in the fact that he never uh, he never says like okay let's run it back this year, you know. He never says we're going to take this exact same roster and we're going to try again and make no improvements or adjustments. He always has adjustments every single year and he's always making big moves. Like Felino was a big move. Now the O'Reilly and even Giordano, that was yeah, a big move. I was just going right? to say, so yeah. he's, he's always bringing in guys to, uh, to help out the team. So you got to respect it because he's always, he's very aggressive. And like the Murray deal last off season, like, yeah. And you almost get the feeling that like, if the Leafs do ever want to win a playoff series, it's almost like the entire regular season is their round one of the playoffs because I don't think they're ever going to beat the Lightning in a playoff series as long as the Lightning have Vasilevsky and the Leafs don't have a true like 
number one goalie with experience. So I think like the Leafs really need to try to be first in that division so that they can play one of the wildcard teams, maybe from the Metro. And that, that's going to be their best chance. But as long as they're up against Boston or Tampa, I don't like their odds. No, and especially this year, like those those two teams are just absolute wagons. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm super excited for that series. But the last thing we're going to say just about, uh, about the Leafs is I can't imagine if they do win a playoff series, like it's going to go one of two ways. Either they say, yep, this is our year. We finally got over it. And they're going to have a positive, you know, like realistic, like mindset saying like, you know, if that's just one series, like every, every team wins a series, you know, like we're the only team that hasn't won a series in so long. Right. Yeah. And they're going to just be like, like focused on like, this is our year or it's going to go the opposite way. And they're going to say, we finally won a series and this is a success of a season. Right? I, I was so, just going to say like, it's almost like their Stanley Cup right now is a series. Just one series. Just to get that over with, and then next year they can go for the Cup kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Like, so like it's, it's like, almost like if they were to win a series, finally, the celebration would be so big, and then, you know, they would just kind of lose. Like the next series, they would just blow it. Just exactly, yeah. Yeah. But at the same a... time, it could just be like a huge weight lifted off their shoulders, and maybe they could take that, carry it for a huge run. So exactly, it, yeah. You know, I, I almost want that question to be answered one of these days as much as I like the whole first round curse of making fun of the Leafs it would be interesting to see I feel like that if they ever get out of the first round it's gonna it's gonna be crazy though like they're gonna have a parade or something just for getting out of the first round which is pretty embarrassing it is very embarrassing but uh anyways moving on to our next NHL news uh Dylan Larkin has been requesting a uh a new contract as he is a UFA this upcoming year uh he wants nine million dollars and Iserman isn't willing to push uh, anything over eight mil, you know, we we all know what Iserman has done in the past. You know, he, he they call him the Iser plan for a reason. He built the Lightning's team, and he got guys like Kucherov and Vasilevsky in like the sixth and like seventh round or whatever. I, I think Vasilevsky was a pretty high pick, but Kucherov was way back there. And um, just to put it bluntly, I, I trust Iserman, and whatever he thinks, uh, I'm just gonna go with it. You know, like we've seen guys like Mo Sider. When he got picked sixth overall in the draft, everyone was like, "Oh man, like this is this is not it." And then now look at him; he won the Calder, yeah. and, uh, and now he's he's playing good too. So, whatever Eisenman thinks, I I'm just gonna go with that. And especially about this, like uh, Dylan Larkin wants nine million dollars. Like that is ridiculous. I I wouldn't pay him anything over seven and a half. In my opinion, I wouldn't give him anything more than a seven by seven as as far as term for him. I, I would personally give him probably like a five by seven. Is something that I would like. If you look at his points production from this year, he's got 55 points in 53 games. So he's having a good year. Um, if you look at his past, uh, his career high is only 73 points. And that was back in 2018-2019. And his career high in goals is only 32. So do we really think that this guy is a $9 million player? And not just that, but for the next couple of years? I don't think so. And uh, The next like eight years. Yeah, he, he's 26 right now. Like... This is his prime, and he's putting up just over a point per game. So this is not a guy I see anywhere near the $9 million range. I would be way more comfortable uh, signing him for about 7.5, maybe even a 7. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I, I think it's pretty outrageous that he wants $9 million. Like, I, I understand that you know, the contracts are going up as the salary cap is going up, and that's just kind of the way it is. It'll always keep going up as the salary cap does. But, I mean... Dylan Larkin is not a $9 million player. A $9 million player is a franchise player. It's a player that, you know, could potentially help lead your team to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, a bona fide all-star. Those, those are the players that you pay $9 million. Dylan Larkin is not a $9 million player. He is, he's, I don't even know if I would say he's a true top-line center. Like, he's great. Obviously, he's got great speed, but. I'm with Eisman on this. Like, I, I think anything over eight, I, I, I wouldn't budge. I, I would stick with that. And another thing is, Larkin's the captain there. Like, you look at some of the more successful teams over the past, you know, generation, the past decade, the Penguins and the Bruins. Both of those teams had great leadership in like Bergeron and Chara and Crosby, that kind of set an example as far as how much money they take. In my opinion, you're not a good leader if you're forcing your team to pay you more than they're comfortable paying you. Yeah. And, and like Crosby took less, you know, Bergeron did. And, you know, I've heard 
in interviews that like it only works if the whole team takes less. So I mean, with Larkin setting this example from up top as the captain, you can't expect anybody else on the Red Wings to be any better than him and take any less. So it, it's just not a good look for their captain. You, you're spitting facts. Everything you just said, I 100% agree with. And I, I you, you, you could not be more right. Like if I'm Eisenman and you know, you know his history, you know he's been the captain, and not just the captain, but the captain of the same franchise. He knows that the influence of a captain is so heavy, and this is not a guy that uh, that you want to, you know, set an example for as your team. Like next thing you know, you're gonna have Raymond asking for ten, and Cider asking for twelve and a half, and you know, like maybe those guys, those guys definitely deserve to get more paid more than Larkin. So if if he's asking for nine, I can't even imagine what their contracts are gonna look like, right? Just because it's it's got to be relative, like we've said in the past. Yeah. So this is not a guy I would want to start my franchise with, and especially as the captain, if he's if he's making these selfish moves and saying, you know, I, I want nine mil, and uh, I'm not willing to push at all. I'd I'd honestly just tell him to kick rocks, and either we're going to trade you or go walk in, in free agency because you're not wanted here. It, it was the same thing as like Brady Kachuk and like Mitch Marner, just like forcing your team to pay you may more way more than you're comfortable with. Like in my opinion. Like I have no sympathy for those guys if they if they never win a Stanley Cup, and, and I know it's like hard for us to say that because, like, who really knows if we were in that situation, you know, would we take as much money as we could? Probably. Who knows? But I I just think that I like I'm not going to feel bad for you if, if your team doesn't have success because it starts with salary cap. That's what everything is about. You know, it, it's not like basketball where the same teams are winning because you know the richest teams you know can just pay the best players it's it's everybody has the same salary cap and you have to find a way to fit under that and you know the team the teams that usually win the cup are teams that their top players take less like kucherov you know like crosby so yeah and like you said you kind of have difficulty finding sympathy for the guys who do take huge deals and one guy that kind of stood out for me is is mcdavid and dry you know like yeah i I want these guys to uh, win the cup as much as anyone you know like i think right under the winnipeg jets the next team that i want to win the cup is, is the edmonton oilers and Connor mcdavid and leon Dreisaitl. just they're they're amazing players and i don't want mcdavid to be the best to never do it you know uh, I, I don't want that and, uh, yeah. just speaking of mcdavid uh, he's got 101 points and it's february 18th so he's pretty he's pretty good yeah so i i think he uh he deserves the cup and uh i hope it's with the oilers because like, I don't know. I don't want him to go somewhere else and kind of, I don't know, ring chase, I guess you, I guess you could say. But it, it would just make the most sense if it's with the Oilers and Dreisaitl. Speaking of the Oilers, a few episodes ago when we did our, our like mid-season playoff predictions, I predicted that the Oilers weren't going to make the playoffs. And yeah. ever since then, they have been lights out and won, <laughs> went on a huge streak. So, you know, tough look for me. But, like, I, I think it's very... It's very odd, like when you see the Oilers, like they're leading the league in goals, like they're leading the league in offense and goals per game. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with McDavid and Drysa. But at the end of the day, their offense is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. So I, I don't know why Holland doesn't recognize that their defense is the issue; that they need to get better defensively. And I don't mean like like I, I it's it's funny because it's like they're solution is to trade for Eric Carlson. You know, we'll get into that later with the trade predictions, but there's been a lot of rumors that the Oilers have been trying to get Carlson. But I mean, Carlson is like not good defensively at all. And he's just been like one of the best offensive defensemen in the league that sucks defensively. So yeah. it's not really going to solve that issue. So it's like, it's like they're just trying to beat teams by blowing them out every night. And that does not work in the playoffs. It never has. So I, I don't know what they're going for here. They, they need to try to, get some good shutdown defensemen and, and to, to kind of stay back and let McDavid and them do their thing because their defense is the issue right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you've seen that with guys in the past. Like, for example, Tyson Berry, uh, he, he's making a lot of money right, right now. And uh, never forget the uh, the Darnell Nurse contract. He's making like 9.25 or like 9.5. And, and it's like, if you know you have McDavid and Dreisaitl locked up, you don't go after those D men. You go after the Jacob Slavens, the like uh, 
Jared Spurgeons, the Devon Taves, like just the pure lockdown guys, like the guys who aren't getting any more than 60 points a year in their career. Like you get, you get these guys who just, just hold the house down. They just lock it down. You know, you don't get the guys who are high risk, high reward, like they've been getting in the past. So we'll, we'll see how that trade turns out. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. So now our last bit of NHL news is uh, the Boston Bruins became the fastest NHL team uh, in NHL history to record uh, 40 wins, only needing uh, 53 games. Uh, this team is probably the definition of a wagon. Uh, according to NHL history, they they've been the best team through the first uh, for the first 53 games or whatever ever, right? So this this team's insane, and uh, your prediction on them winning the cup is is looking pretty good. But uh, we'll we'll see how that goes because yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we've already talked about the Bruins a lot. I mean, with good reason. I mean, we talk about them almost every episode because of how good they're doing. So you know, there's not really much to say right now that hasn't already been said but i mean yeah I, I definitely am not changing my mind as of now on the whole bruins for the cup thing I, like i'm i'm all on that wagon they're, they're so good I, I as of now i don't really know who can stop them unless maybe like the lightning in the second round or something if they face off then i think that's maybe the only team because the avalanche don't look nearly as good as they did last year yeah it'll definitely be hard to take them down and just how strong they are in all three zones and their goaltending has been just out of this world too. So maybe their experience in the playoffs in their net is, is the only fault they have just with Linus Allmark hasn't really had a lot of playoff experience, but right. the team in front of him that he's got is, is got a lot of experience and a lot of skill. So I, uh, I could definitely see them getting it done, but uh, moving on to our main discussion of today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about our uh, trade deadline predictions. So we're going to be going through about 10 to 15 players, uh, just about, uh, where, where we see them getting traded and uh, what they're going to get traded for. So uh, to kick it off, we're going to start with uh, Jacob Chikorin. And uh, from the Arizona Coyotes, uh, there's been a lot of rumors about him going uh, to the LA Kings. And he's actually uh, been healthy scratched the last couple of games. And uh, the front office has said that we're not going to play him uh, until he gets traded, right? So his days with the Coyotes are over and it's kind of just a matter of time. So uh, where do you see this guy going? Yeah, he's obviously very sought after right now he, he's the best left defenseman on the market and for good reason and it, it's almost getting annoying with him like there's been trade rumors about him for like at least a calendar year like at least I mean, like it, it's getting annoying like it's like it's like he's been like this close to getting traded for such a long time and yet he still hasn't so so like i almost feel bad for him so like you just wanted to get wanted to get over with like and I was even considering, like, until the Coyotes came out and said that they're holding him out of the lineup until something happens. Until they came out and said that, I was consi- I was like thinking, you know what? Maybe he won't get traded because, like, he's been in so many rumors for so long, and the Coyotes still haven't dropped their asking price. It's been reported that they're asking for two first round picks and a second round pick, or at least value of something similar to that, maybe prospects or something. But that is like that's a big return, and clearly no one's willing to pay that price right now. And obviously he's, he, he's on a really good contract. He's got two years left at 4.6 million, which is really good for like a top pair defenseman, which is probably why that asking price is so high. But I, I just think the Coyotes are going to have to lower their asking price if they want to, you know, trade him. Yeah, for sure. And I guess if, if I was a uh, uh, general manager of the Coyotes, you're probably thinking, you know, I don't got a lot of assets here. So I, I got to make the most of them when I'm going to trade them. And I, I respect that, but they definitely got to ask, uh, uh, lower their asking price just because like they're, they're asking for so much in, in Jacob Chikorin. But um, as far as where he's going to go, I'm going to have him going to the Boston Bruins. I think I could see him getting traded for probably a first, a second and a prospect. Um, I, I think he'd look really good with the Boston Bruins. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins GM is, is thinking uh, this is our year to get it done. You know, like uh, Krejci's probably going to be done here soon. Bergeron's going to be done here soon. You got to sign Pasternak still. Who knows where he's going to go? I I could see him getting a big deal with the Bruins, but he's still UFA this year, right? So there, there's a lot of question marks up in the air. And I think Jacob Chicken would just be that another piece, especially on that left side of their defense. They got McAvoy on the right side. And Lindholm's been having a great year too, but just to really bolster that defense and add Jacob Chicken with the size too would be awesome for the playoffs for them. Yeah, um, I have them going to the Bruins as well. I, I think, like you said, like they're all in this year. 
Like it's 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 when now mode for the Bruins, and I think Chikrin could be a great piece that could help them push them over the edge. Like if they were to get Chikrin, they would probably have the best left side defense in the whole league with Jacob Chikrin, Hampus Lindholm, and Matt Grizzlick. Three yeah. guys that are all like good second pairing or better defensemen. So, like they're, they're, that's just stacked. And right now, the Bruins probably couldn't afford what he's making, so they would have to send a contract or have some of it retained. But, but I think you know the Bruins have been rumored to be in the market for a left defenseman, and they've also it's been rumored that they're they aren't willing to give up a lot of assets for a rental. They want a player with some term, and Chikrin does have two more years after this, so I think he makes a lot of sense for the Bruins. Yeah, definitely, and the, the Coyotes have a lot of cap space to return some of that, so uh, I know the Bruins have an absolutely terrible prospect pool, so I'm not sure how many prospects would be in this deal. Uh, maybe more of like a first and, uh, and and a couple of seconds, or like you said, maybe even two first, but uh yeah, as, as far as the prospects, I think that's what Arizona is going to be looking for. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I, I definitely got a chicken going there. Um, but now moving on to our, uh, our next player, we uh, we got Timo Meyer. Uh, he's having a great year with the Sharks. Uh, he's up for a contract this summer, though, and he's asking for around $9 million. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see uh, if the team kind of just has him as a rental or if they sign him right away, kind of similar to Bo Horvat and, and that situation. So... Um, where do you got Timo Meyer and, and what do you think you, uh, you would give up for him? Well, there's been a lot of rumors that the Devils have been in con- or have been in trade talks with the Sharks about Timo Meyer, and he's been getting a lot of recognition, a lot of interest from a lot of teams across the league. He's probably the best forward available at the uh, at this deadline this year, at least you know what's left. So you know there's going to be a lot of teams, like I said, after him and. I have him going to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, the reason I have this is because of Pacioretty's injury. You know, he was making like $7 million or something. So with him out and on LTIR, he's going to be out for the playoffs. They have $10 million in cap space right now. One of the best teams in the league, and they have $10, 10 million in cap space. So look out for the Hurricanes, especially if they can take advantage of that and make a trade like this happen. Timo Meyer would fit in well, you know, on one of the wing sides playing with Ajo. So I think he could be a huge addition to the Hurricanes and look out for them if this happens. No, I, I completely agree. I also got him going to the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, I, I think after uh, after the Pacioretty injury, like you said, uh, just uh, Pacioretty, was, Pacioretty was one of the guys that they thought this is a guy that, you know, is going to solidify our team and be able to push us over the edges as that goal scorer, you know? And him going down... And uh, obviously his contract kind of going off the books uh, as he's on the LTIR. I think Timo Meyer would be a perfect rule just to fit that. And uh, another reason why I think Carolina is going to be so aggressive after going Timo Meyer is because of the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. Uh, the last couple of years, and especially last year, uh, the Rangers just just own the Hurricanes. Like they have not be able, been able to get past the, the Rangers. And uh, I think after the Rangers made that big move just to even – a strength of the roster even more, and that's been going pretty good for them. They've they've been looking so good since they since they got Tarasenko. So uh, I think Meyer and the Hurricanes just make sense because uh, not not just for Meyer but also for the Hurricanes too, right? So uh, I think for both sides, this is a really good deal. And like you said, the cap space is there, maybe even for an extension too. So uh, everything just lines up. Yeah, and one thing to mention about Meyer is that. The reason that the Sharks are trading him is because his qualifying offer is like $10 million. So I, I don't know how exactly that gets calculated, but basically a qualifying offer is a one-year contract offer to qualify him as an RFA. So if you if you think back to like a couple of years ago, Patrick Laine accepted his qual- qualifying offer of like one year, one year at $7 million because he had a really bad year. He wasn't worth that anymore. But that's what a lot of players can do is – they'll just accept their qualifying offer because that's still available to them even if they have a bad year. So, like, with Timo Meyer's qualifying offer at $10 million, that's a lot of money. That's why the Sharks want to get rid of him. So, and, and like you said, like, the Hurricanes do have the cap space for this. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think that that's where he'll go. 
Our next guy that we're going to be talking about is uh, Eric Carlson, also from the San Jose Sharks. Um, we kind of previously mentioned maybe where he's going to go earlier in the episode, and I, I think you're bang on with it. Uh, I got Eric Carlson going to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Ken Holland in the past has made some questionable deals, and he's shown that he's he's willing to trade the future for for an asset that can help right now. So I, I can definitely see Eric Carlson going to the Oilers in exchange for a package, maybe like a Philip Broberg, uh, Jesse Pogliarvi, and maybe some more picks, or so maybe uh, another prospect, uh, you know, maybe uh, um, Holloway's in that deal as well. So I, I could definitely see this happening, and it would make sense for the Sharks too. They're out of it. They're getting some prospects. They're getting some more picks, you know, uh, just clearing even more cap space for the future, right? So I, I think it works out for both sides. Um, as far as him fitting in with the Oilers, their power play would be even more deadly, and that would be just a crazy thing to see. Uh, potential like MVP, uh, Rocket Richard winner, and the Norris winner would be on the same team. I'm not sure when the last time that happened, but uh, that would be really interesting to see. Um, but like you said, defensively, it doesn't really make sense. But I would not put this past Ken Holland to you know put his, all of his eggs in one basket. Yeah, like I think the Oilers have to do whatever they can to make this work. Like, as far as I know, they're the only team that's talking to San Jose right now because it's just so hard to make this work financially. You know, Carlson's making $11.5 million. Like, with the way that the cap has been the last couple of years not going up because of, you know, COVID and everything, like, teams just don't have money. Everybody is cap-strapped. So it's so hard to make a deal with a player making $11.5 million. And that's why I don't think that Carlson will get traded at this deadline. I think if he does, it'll go to the, he'll go to the Oilers. But I, at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to get traded because San Jose, from what I hear, San Jose is not willing to retain 50% of his contract. And I just don't see how it can work financially for, where the Oilers can afford Carlson without the Sharks, you know, retaining half of that contract. You know, I, I think this is, I think Carlson will be traded soon. Maybe not this season, but I think maybe it's more of an off-season thing whether there's more time to figure it out, especially because the salary cap is going up next year. So, you know, I don't have him being traded this year, but if he does, it's, it's going to be Edmonton. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely see a situation with that, but um, according to Cap Friendly here, we uh, we got Dylan Holloway is at uh, 925, so the max entry-level contract. And um, Jesse Pogliarvi is at, uh, he has a $3 million cap hit too. So, that's pretty much $4 million right there that they could clear. Um, the, the Oilers are really, really uh, short on cap right now, so they're going to have to clear a lot off to get them. But uh, there's $4 million right there, and maybe the San Jose Sharks could even return like 25%, you know? So um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but it doesn't really make sense why the Sharks wouldn't retain salary. You know, they yeah. just get just get more. Like, what are you going to do in the next three years? Yeah, you like, know? Like, like, what are the Sharks going to do? Like, if it, like they should have just traded him months ago like as soon as they could so that he could have been gone and they could have been tanking more for Bernard. yeah yeah like but i mean and like you said about the oilers cap situation according to cap friendly right now they have they currently have five hundred thousand dollars in cap yeah, space. Wow. wow so like like that's not even enough that's not even like the league minimum contract so they like can't even call anybody up right now they would have to put somebody on ir so like like I said, the only way it can work is if they get the Sharks to retain half the half of Carlson's salary, and they send somebody like Pugliarvi making three million. That's the only way it can work. And like I said, from what I heard, I I, I don't think the Sharks are willing to do that for some reason. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, like, like I said, I, I got Ken Holland going all in. He's he's maybe not the smartest GM, but he's he's aggressive, right? So I I would not put it past him, but. Uh, as far as our next guy that we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go into Patrick Kane and where we think he's going to go. Um, I'm just going to let you have this one. And uh, where do you got Patrick Kane going? And how much do you think uh, you get re- in return for, for an aging Patrick Kane? Yeah, you know, again, like there were reports that Kane was pretty upset about Tarasenko getting traded to the Rangers. Obviously, we knew that Kane, you know, if he, if he were to get traded, he would want to go to a team like the Rangers. You know, he's from New York, I believe. He's from Buffalo, New York. So he, he, he would want to play somewhere there, especially for a young contending team like the Rangers. So he was, you know, apparently pretty upset with 
the fact that the Rangers basically chose Tarasenko over him, but I, like I don't see how he can blame anybody but himself. Like there's been rumors of him considering waiving his no move trade or his no trade clause for the last like two years. But like you just got to make up your mind. Like you can't blame them. Like it's it's your fault for taking so long, in my opinion, to make up your mind. Like so, I don't know, but. As far as where he gets traded, if he does, like it, it's a big question mark at this point because, like we said, it, it's taken him so long to make up his mind. So, and he does still have a full no move clause, so he would have to waive that to get traded. And it's hard to say that if if you if he'll want to do that, if he does get traded, I think he's going to go to the Dallas Stars. You know, there's been reports that the Stars are interested in him. You know, honestly, I don't know if it'll happen. Like I said, I don't know if Kane would waive it to go to Dallas. And it would be hard to work financially, but that's where I, I would have him going if if he were to get traded. Yeah, like going into this, uh, my prediction was also Dallas. But based on everything that you just said, it's kind of made me realize I, I feel like he's going to go to Vegas. You know, like after coming out with that uh, with that trade uh, about the Tarasenko trade, I'm talking about. Uh, we've we've learned that he's kind of picky on where he's going to go, and I feel like Vegas is a lot more appealing destination than Dallas. And not just that, but uh, Mark Stone is out for the year. And so now he's on LTIR and that's going to clear up even more cap space. So the Golden Knights have room to uh, to get Patrick Kane. And this is a very like intriguing destination uh, that, that Kane could be in, you know. Um, and the last reason why I don't think he's going to go to Dallas is I can't see the Blackhawks trading him within the division. It just doesn't really make sense that uh, they're, he's going to keep them in the central and I feel like he would just terrorize the the Blackhawks for the next couple of years if they did trade him in that division. So just for all those reasons, I got him going to Vegas, and uh, this is a very Vegas thing to do. You know, picking up Petrangelo, picking up other guys that are huge names too. So uh, I'm pretty confident if Patrick Kane does get moved, he's going to be going to Vegas Golden Knights. Could you imagine him on Vegas playing on the top line with Jack Eichel? Two wow. of the best American players, two of the most skilled wow. players in the league. Like that would be so fun yeah, to watch. I, I didn't even mention Jack Eichel. How can I forget like, about him? Yeah, like that would be so fun to watch. All the points you made were great. Like, uh, you know, maybe I should change my mind about this. Like, honestly, like it would be fun to see Kane on Vegas. So, like we said, it, it, it'll be all up to him at the end of the day. If he wants to be moved, he'll waive his no move clause because I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks want to trade him. You know, just to get on with their future just you know keep the rebuild moving but yeah I, I think vegas is definitely a good option for him yeah and just speaking of the no move clause uh his teammate jonathan taves we're just gonna briefly uh touch on him and uh there's been a lot of reports early in the season that he was going to get moved uh just uh, especially around all the patrick kane talks get, you kind of just assume that he was also going to get moved but uh just lately it's been coming out uh that he's he might not actually get traded he might stay with the blackhawks so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, his contract is so so huge, and uh, he's he's definitely not providing the offensive output that Patrick Kane still can. So uh, I don't really find him uh, as a huge uh, huge target for many teams. So maybe just for those reasons, he's 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 gonna stay with the Blackhawks. And like you said, I've heard that it's highly unlikely that Taves gets traded this season. So and I mean he is a UFA at the end of this year. So you know who knows where he'll resign, but. Again, again, I, I I can totally understand for those guys how hard it would be to leave the team that they've spent their whole career with, that they've had so much success with, like you know all the memories and stuff. Like it would it would be hard to move on from that. So I completely understand their their hesitancy. But uh, you know the, the, there was one of the favorites for Taves was the Colorado Avalanche. They were, that was reportedly their top priority going into the trade deadline, and now that he's probably off the table I, I don't really know what Colorado's going to do like you, you know I feel like they if they want to go for a back-to-back cup here they need a better second line center at the end of the day like I think yeah. losing Kadri has hurt them way more than they thought it would because they have not been that great this year and I think there's a big hole in their lineup in that second line center spot so you got to wonder you know who they might go for to fill that spot I, I've heard maybe Sean Monaghan could be a good option from Montreal, he's making a lot of money, but if they can figure out how to make that work, that could be a good option for them. All right, now so for our next guy, we're going to be talking about uh, is Vladislav Gavrikov from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, you know this guy, 
I, I'm not huge on him. I got to be honest. I, I don't think he's he's a guy that's gonna you know put a team over the edge. But maybe he's just a guy that could you know strengthen their decor a little bit. So uh, just for those reasons, I I feel like uh, he's gonna go to the LA Kings. LA has been wanting a D-man and Chikorin for a while, and they haven't been able to get a get a deal done. So I think that this could maybe be like uh, you know like the leftover for uh from from the d-man pool this year and i i could see la uh picking him up and uh and, and he's out of conference too right so I, i'm not a huge uh huge guy on trading within the division and you could probably see that from my last picks and my uh my next picks coming up too but um yeah just for those reasons that I, I feel like la would would make sense and you know just kind of be that defensive d-man yeah <laughs> it, it kind of sucks that most of our picks are the same i also had him going to la heading into this and we didn't even talk about this beforehand so like oh yeah not at all like it's this kind of coincidence we've kind of been looking at similar reports and stuff i guess but you know the asking price for gavrikov is like very hefty apparently it's a first third and fourth round picks which is like a huge asking price especially because gavrikov isn't that good like you know he's probably just like a second pair defenseman like a shutdown guy good penalty killer, but he's not worth a first round pick. And obviously at the trade deadline, everything, every, everybody's trade value goes up because teams are in need. Like it's, it's the trade deadline. Like you only have so much time. You, teams get desperate. And, you know, we've seen that last year with the Florida Panthers when they got Ben Sherratt, a similar kind of player where they gave up way too much for him just to be a rental anyway. So I, they probably regret that looking back at that now. So I feel like, I feel like, teams really have to consider what they're looking at here. Like they have to talk to him, find out if he would, you know, like sign an extension there because, you know, giving up that much for a rental, I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. And especially with how much he's going to bring, like he's got 10 points this year in 52 games or whatever. So he's, he's not definitely, uh, he's not, he's not something to, you know, risk the future with too. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but uh, moving on to our next uh, player here, uh, also defenseman, uh, Luke Shen uh, from the Vancouver Canucks. I, I got him to go into the Minnesota Wild. I think that kind of just fits what uh, what Minnesota's decor is. Uh, you know, kind of just like steady on the backhand, don't provide too much up front. But uh, I, I could see him going there for a second or a third, um, maybe even a fourth in that deal too. So def- definitely not a first. That's uh, that's kind of been the rumor that he's going to go for maybe a first. So uh, definitely not, in my opinion. I, I would never trade him for a first. Yeah, like, it's hard to say because, like I said, the values of players are up so much around this time of the year. So teams do some crazy things at the trade deadline. So like it's hard to say. I, I wouldn't give up that much for Shen, but you know some NHL GM might. But as far as Luke Shen, I have him going to the Calgary Flames. I think you know he's kind of just like a bigger shut down rugged defenseman i think he really fits daryl sutter's style and i think he would slot in perfectly on that third pair for the flames all right now moving on to our next guy uh, we've got shane gossberg uh, another defenseman for the coyotes that's having a good year uh i, I got him going to go florida uh, i think that kind of makes sense um just they need they need more defense they, they can score but they just need more defense and uh, he definitely has an offensive uh, uh, an offensive upside, I should say, but uh, yeah, he's he's also pretty good defensively. So he's not a liability back there, so I, I think that kind of just makes sense. Yeah, that would make sense, especially since they traded Uyghur, so they definitely need help on the left side defensively. But for Gossesbear, I have him going to the Oilers, and this is obviously because I think that Carlson won't get traded. I right. don't think so. They would have the money. I, I like the Oilers are in the market for a puck moving defenseman. It's been rumored that that's what they need. So I think Gosses Bear fits the bill for that. And if they can't get Gar- Carlson, I think Gosses Bear is the next best option. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, moving on to our next guy, definitely a guy that could help a lot of teams, and that's uh, Brock Besser. Uh, wh- where do you think this guy's going to go? Well, there's been a couple teams that his agent has talked to, the Minnesota Wild and the New Jersey Devils. But it came out that the Wild can't just can't make it work financially because Besser's term or not his term his cap hit he's making like six million or something around there that's a lot of money and like i said every team is cap strapped so it's just so hard to make deals work right now 
but I, I have him going to the New Jersey Devils. I think that if the Devils don't get Timo Meyer, I think that they still are going to go for somebody. So I think Besser would be a good option there. You know, he could definitely turn it around and become like a first line winger again in a in a different uh, di- different system. So I think he could be a good fit in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. I, I think New Jersey's definitely uh, a team that needs to make another move. But uh, Besser's uh, making six point six five this year, and just for that reason, I feel like he's not going to get moved this trade deadline. Um, There's also rumors last year that he was going to go to Pittsburgh. And that never happened. So there, there's been a lot of rumors around this guy, but I, I just personally don't think he's going to get moved this year. And especially, like we said, this asking price could be crazy. Like probably two first and a good prospect and a second, you know? So um, that, that's something that the Canucks are going to be wanting back. And I just don't see that happening for Besser. Our third to last guy of this week's episode we're going to be talking about is uh, John Klingberg. Uh, I got this guy going to Seattle. I, I know previously... I said um, I don't really see a lot of in, in like inner division trades, but this is the only one that I got, and uh, I feel like Kraken the Kraken are right there in the playoffs, and they're going to be uh, probably having one of the three divisional seeds uh, in the Pacific there, just with how how strong the Pacific is this year. But um, yeah, I, I feel like Klingberg could be a huge addition to them, and especially just because he's going to be a rental, he doesn't have a contract for this upcoming year, so um, it's really low risk. For, uh, for the Kraken, as long as they don't give up too much. So uh, that's why I got him going to Seattle. Yeah, you know, it's been reported that him getting traded is a matter of when, not if. So it definitely looks like he'll get traded, but he hasn't been getting that much interest. Like, his asking price, they originally were asking for a first-round pick, but they haven't been getting much interest, so it, apparently it's been dropped down to a second. And, you know, there's only been a couple teams, the Islanders and the Kraken, who have been interested in him, so... You know, one of those two teams I could see him going to pretty much. Those are the only teams we know of that are interested in him. I think he could definitely help boost the Kraken's power play. So I think he will go to Seattle just because between the Islanders and the Kraken, I think Seattle's the only team that can make it work financially. They're going to have to have it, that $7 million contract um, retained at 50% probably. I think they have right around $3.5 million in cap space, so it would put them right up against the cap. But Again, this is another guy that's on an expiring deal. So is, is it worth it to give up that much for a rental? Probably, but who knows? Yeah, and if there's only two teams involved, and one of them is Islanders, and they're pretty much known as like a, as a pretty frugal team, and they already spent a lot of money, and uh, that's not something that they're necessarily always uh, interested in, right? So uh, it kind of just makes sense that he's going to go to Seattle. But moving on to our second to last guy, uh, Ivan Barbashev from the St. Louis Blues. Um, I also got him going to Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I feel like a prospect in a, a first or maybe a second would be enough to get him over. And uh, yeah, I, I like Vegas. I, I mean, I've always been like kind of interested to see um, just how how they've been doing, and maybe because it's been the, the first expansion team that uh, that I've I've seen. So I've always kind of just been interested in, in how they've been doing and. Uh, they've, they got a crazy atmosphere down there too. So uh, I, I think it's sick when there's playoff hockey in Vegas. Yeah. With a lot of these guys, you'll notice that the teams interested in, the, in them are very similar. Like it's a lot of the same teams, like the guys, the teams that are buying, you know, to try to make a push for the playoffs and improve their team. And so it, a lot of it is going to, a lot of where players are going to go is going to depend on which player they kind of acquire. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of players or there's a lot of teams that have multiple players that they're looking to acquire. And at the end of the day, they can't make them all work. So, it, you know, if one guy goes here, that could just that could change something else for this team, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, like, if if Vegas were to go and get Kane, I don't know if they could fit in Barbashev. I don't think he's making that much, though, so it could work. You know, other teams that are interested in him are Boston, Toronto, and New York. So any any of those teams I could see him going to, but you know, just because I didn't have Vegas acquiring anybody yet, I also have him going to Vegas. Yeah, he's only making two point two five this year, but a guy who's not on or a team that's not on this list is uh, the the New Jersey Devils, and I feel like he might also get picked up by the Devils too, and especially if Vegas uh, um, Vegas gets Kane like they might. Uh, I I feel like New Jersey might make a push for Barbashev just to kind of uh, strengthen their core. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, 
I know the Devils are really in on Timo Meyer, but if they can't make that work, they're going to have to do something for sure. Yeah. So he could definitely be an option. All right. So now for our last guy, we're going to be talking about uh, Max Domi from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I got him going to your Winnipeg Jets. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's a guy who can, who can play center or left wing. Um, he was also born in Winnipeg, so he's got a little bit of a connection there. And I don't think it'd take too much to get him. Uh, in my opinion, I, I feel like a second and a third, or uh, maybe a second and a prospect, would be enough to get the deal done. And I know the Jets are really looking for uh, more depth, especially in that third line. Uh, uh, just in their bottom six, they're looking for something that can just you know strengthen their their depth a little bit more. And I feel like Domi, uh, you can put him in a lot of positions, whether it's the power play or the penalty kill, or just as like a, a bottom six forward, like I said. So. Um, I really hope he goes to the Jets. Uh, Domi's been one of my favorite players uh, ever since that 2015 World Junior run. So uh, it would just be awesome to see see them together. But uh, I, I think logistically it makes sense too. Yeah, originally I had Domi going to the Leafs because there were some rumors that he could go there. But ever since they uh, acquired Ryan O'Reilly, they just don't have the money to make that work anymore. So I think that Winnipeg is the other option there. I think... I think they'll pick him up. They they got to pick somebody up. Like, like I said about Taves earlier, the Jets were another team that were interested in Taves. But if if he's not on the market anymore, they'll have to find somebody else. And I think Domi could be a good option for that. Apparently, Domi likes playing in Chicago. So the most likely scenario could be that he is traded as a rental. You know, the the Hawks trade him for an asset as a rental to a contending team or a team pushing for the playoffs, and then they just re-sign him as a free agent in the off season. I've heard that that could be yeah. an option. All right. So that's going to do it for episode number nine of the elbows up podcast. Uh, we're going to be releasing another one next Monday. So make sure uh, you tune in for that one. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good one.